Okay, before we get going, I should just let you know that you're going to hear the odd F word here and there. It's only ever used as a means of emphasis and it's part of how I speak. This series is brought to you with the support of the LSE. And now for the first of our two episodes beginning with P in the series. In Happiness by Design, I set out the pleasure and purpose principle. There are two types of happy experiences, those that are pleasurable or bring fun, joy or contentment, and those that are purposeful or fulfilling or rewarding or worthwhile. Misery comes in two guises too, the lack of pleasure, anxiety, worry and stress, and the lack of purpose. Most people find work more purposeful than pleasurable, whereas they find watching TV more pleasurable than purposeful. Volunteering tends to be high in pleasure and purpose, as does praying. The critical consideration here is that pleasure and purpose are both experiences. I'm interested in how being a dad, for example, plays out in how I feel much more than I am in the story I tell about how rewarding or whatever it is to be a dad. I came to the pleasure purpose principle when I was thinking about having kids and also when I reflected on the contrast between my working class background and my middle class profession. Are you more of a pleasure machine or a purpose engine? Take a moment to think about the experiences in your life that give you pleasure and those that provide you with purpose. If you're a pleasure machine, you might be happier if you had a little bit more purpose and a little bit less pleasure. And if you're a purpose engine, you might be happier if you had a little bit more pleasure and a bit less purpose. It's important to note that your preferences and mine may differ. There are some activities that the evidence suggests overwhelmingly would be good pretty much for most of us most of the time. Let me go through those in turn. These insights are actually pretty obvious and you would have worked most of this out for yourself, but they're overlooked and the chances are you're not doing as much of these things as you should for your own happiness. First of all, spend time with people that you like being with. Friendships are often like fine wine. They get better with time. We don't get used to spending time with people that we like being with. So do it more. Second, go outdoors. Loads of data showing the benefits of being outdoors. Nature has an incredible ability to stir up a bunch of good feelings within us. It can make us feel calm, joyful, and full of energy. Not only that, but being outdoors is good for our mental health. It lowers our feelings of depression and anxiety. You haven't got to go out for hours. Just even going around the block for a few minutes each day will make you feel better. Just take in a bit of nature. Third, have new experiences. New experiences are linked to improved well-being. You'll stay present in the moment and you can always discuss them afterwards with your friends. It's one of the reasons why time passes so slowly for children is that they're constantly having new experiences. Fourth, go and help someone. Help other people. Not only do they benefit, you feel really good about yourself too. Doing something for other people actually is one of the most selfish things we can do in that sense. It makes us feel good about ourselves. We should be celebrating charity and altruism much more than we do. Fifth, Listen to music. There's something quite incredible about music, the way that it literally lights up our brains. And especially when we share those experiences with other people. Put on a tune that you like and dance around the kitchen. And six, laugh. Watching comedy for 20 minutes reduces our stress levels by about the same as running on a treadmill for that time. One hour of watching comedy is enough to increase infection-fighting antibodies in the bloodstream and has been shown to reduce feelings of loneliness in the elderly. Give it a go. So these are all things that we can do in the moment. But of course, much of our life isn't lived in the present. It's lived in the future and in the past. So having something to look forward to is really good for us too. 
often holidays in themselves are not that enjoyable, but the experience of looking forward to them makes us feel better. So if you're booking a holiday, maybe book it a little more in advance than you might otherwise, so you've got more time for that anticipatory happiness. Maybe make a list of things you're looking forward to and remind yourself of that list when you need to pick me up. Equally, curate fond memories. We don't only look forwards, we look backwards. Sometimes we do this fondly, but often it's to ruminate on how we made a fool of ourselves. Many of our good and bad stories are about things that have happened, or at least how we recall them happening. We know that our memories are far from perfect, but that's largely besides the point. Stories are a great source of happiness for us. and Actually, even bad things can be remembered fondly and with humour. We should then perhaps consider how to curate fond memories from the rich tapestry of life. I'm currently working with a team to investigate the ripple effects of anticipating and remembering events, whether it's a date night with your partner or a concert with some friends or even a work event. The well-being impacts of those events ripple much further than just the event itself. We're currently working with many groups and organisations to design interventions that tap into the long-run elements of pleasure and purpose. Get in touch to find out how we can work with you too. Now, you could say that you have some higher order desires that you know will make you less happy, such as those for freedom, truth, knowledge, and beauty. Maybe the preservation of birds and animals, which may not be based solely on the consequences for your happiness, and actually maybe not even on the consequences for other people's happiness. Still, it strikes me as somewhat odd, to put it mildly, to actively desire something that will never show up in better sentiments of pleasure and purpose. So if your partner's cheating on you, for example, you'd say you'd like to know, even if it makes you more miserable. But you can't unknow something that you know. And so you might think that clearing the air is going to lead to greater happiness. Whatever you decide to do is the consequences for the happiness of the truth that matters, not the truth in itself. And the same thing applies to working out. It might feel good. You might have the expectation of a better physique, but you expect that to make you happier. And if it didn't, it's probably not worth bothering. But suppose I haven't managed to convince you and that you remain convinced that concerns beyond happiness are not mistaken desires. Well, in that case, you should still care significantly about happiness because it's the best way to bring about those other outcomes. Many studies have shown that those who experience better emotions live longer, better health, recover from viruses faster, take less time off work. In one study, siblings with a sunnier disposition were more likely to get hired and promoted. Good emotions also foster original thinking and improve our ability to resolve conflicts. Furthermore, those of us who are seen to be in a good mood are thought of as more attractive, which means getting better grades at school and more money at work. Pleasure and purpose aren't noble goals we should be sacrificing in some moralistic pursuit. They're vital to our well-being and also to all of your decisions. Now, having said that, there has been some research into the darker side of pursuing happiness. Researchers found that the pursuit of happiness can leave people feeling exhausted, more self-absorbed, and have a strange impact on the perception of time, make us compare our lives to other people, leave us feeling worse off. Well, yeah, thinking ourselves happier is exhausting. The constant pursuit of anything, whether it be social recognition, fame, or happiness, is attention-seeking. In this series, we're trying to reduce the attention you pay to happiness so that you can just get on with being happy. So if you find yourself paying too much attention to the pursuit of happiness, chances are you'll miss out on the experiences of happiness. So start with the small stuff. Just one or two things more each day. Five minutes here and there, and you'll be happier without having to think too hard about it.
And if you spend time volunteering, you'll be making someone else's day a bit happier too. All of us need a mix of pleasure and purpose in our lives. We differ significantly in how much of each we need, but we need both. So find experiences that bring you pleasure if you have a lot of purpose and purpose if you have a lot of pleasure. And I hope that listening to this series makes a small contribution to your happiness at the time you're experiencing it as well as beyond. Everything's located really in our day-to-day experiences. All of happiness is really located in the small stuff, not in the big life-changing things. It's in the things that we do day-to-day. So have a think. How are you spending today? How could you improve the pleasure and purpose in it? How could you design your day in ways that make it easier for you to be happy without having to think? My ambition in creating Get Happier goes beyond simply offering a free copy and ending it there. I intend to foster a community of individuals who can make society happier using rigorous and relevant evidence with minimal effort. Subscribe to my Substack where I'll share resources and insights so that as individuals and citizens, employees and employers, parents and policymakers, we can all get happier.